Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father, another verse of priest. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. Yo, what up? And Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, keep it simple. Uh, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers. This is our show. If you're new to the show, it is a new show. Uh, we just started recording it this year. Uh, but we've been playing fantasy football for a very, very long time. Oh, geez, what, 10-plus years between all three of us? Like, individually, yes? Yeah, okay. uh, I'm like 17-plus, actually. 17-plus. Uh, you're 16 years old. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just, yeah. Just throw off the listeners. <laughs> Obviously, he's in his 30s. I'm a man. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I played the fantasy for many, many years. Many, many years. Double so, digits. The whole point of that was um, we believe we can bring you some good insight, but possibly some entertain- entertainment along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a long night. Uh, a lot of news today in the NFL. By the way, at the FF Fathers on Twitter, if you haven't already, give us a follow. And if you would, feel so kindly, subscribe, and we will love you forever. But let's move on to the NFL because, wow, a lot of news. In fact, major news. We have some major news. (laughs) For the first time in a long time, we have some major news. and. I feel like we got to start there, right? I mean, this is a fantasy football show. This is going to impact fantasy, obviously. Dynasty leagues already. I'm seeing trades happening because of the news today. Um, well, let's start with the Packers. Let's start there. Aaron Rodgers announced that on the Pat McAfee show or via whatever Twitter and the Pat McAfee show that he is returning to the Packers for the 2022 season. Um, it was then reported he was coming back on a four year, $200 million deal. But then Rogers posted to Twitter and also Pat McAfee was saying that, uh, essentially the, the numbers were not confirmed yet. Um, so Rogers refuted the contract saying, Hey, um, I am going to be playing for the Packers, but I have not signed an actual contract and the amount is unknown at this time for fantasy purposes, because Devonte Adams also was franchise tagged today, uh, by the Packers. What do we think about this news? Oh, I was just going to say it negative, negatively affects my everyday life because about an hour of every day I listen to Pat McAfee talk about Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and where he's going to go. So I have to fill that hour of my life every day now since Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay. But since him and Devontae Adams are going to be there next year, I think that solidifies Devontae Adams as another first-round draft pick. Um, I don't think you have to worry about you know, what you're going to do with the other hour. Pat McAfee will find some way of filling in for you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, like in terms of the Packers, like it's huge. It changes a lot. I mean, we all like cap is like the cap situation in terms of their defense. There's a lot going on there. In terms of fantasy numbers, though, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you already know what they are. That's not going to change next year. The only thing in terms of offensively that you have to worry about fantasy wise is what's going to happen between Aaron Rodgers or not Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. But Aaron Rodgers coming back, Devontae Adams coming back, that means that you're going to expect probably the same season you've had for the last, what, five years? Like, they're going to be studs. That's what it is. Yeah, as a Packers fan myself, I was pretty elated to hear this confirmation. I kind of saw this coming, but we'll see how the contract plays out. You know, me and Big Kirby were talking earlier. Who know? Like, we feel like it won't be like an actual four-year deal. It'll probably be shorter than that just because Roger is talking about retirement already this year in this offseason. And that is a likely outcome within the next couple of years. But um, for now and for next year, for sure, these guys basically sit where they did going into 2021. Um, I think you can, you know, draft Rodgers behind a, a good amount of different, you know, good amount of other quarterbacks that allow you to get some good value out of Rodgers and Devontae Adams. He's right up there with, with Cooper, right? Yeah. I think you gave like the perfect too long. Didn't read description. Like it's the same as it was last year. They have the same values. If anything, Aaron Rodgers might be a little bit higher in my eyes, just because it seems like he gets a little more feisty the older he gets. And, uh, he's just too consistent, you know? So, yeah, I'd take him in, like, the top six quarterbacks. Yeah, I think, I mean, we talked about a lot about quarterbacks last week. We didn't hear about, you know, what we thought rankings could be next year. I think we're all kind of in consensus. There's probably four or five guys vying for that number one overall QB spot. And Aaron Rodgers may not be quite in that mix. He's close, though. I mean, I think you're almost guaranteed Rodgers start is a top five or six quarterback at worst next year. For sure, and uh, all I got to say is go back, go, baby. <laughs> the rich get richer. We don't want to hear about your <laughs> fucking celebration. What a day. What a day for us Packers fans. Hey, let's go, baby. Let's get it this year. Moving on to other news, obviously right after the Aaron Rodgers news broke, uh, some more new, major, major news broke. Seattle. Seahawks are trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos uh, for one of the largest trade hauls in NFL history. It is, it's not a hundred percent confirmed yet, but guys like Jake Glazer and stuff have came out with the details saying Broncos will receive Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick uh, and Seattle will receive two first round picks two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, quarterback Drew Locke, defensive end Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fant. I'm interested, Big Herbie, being our, uh, you know, home Seattle Seahawks fan, diehard fan from the beginning. He's seen Seattle go from shit, essentially, to one of the most dominant dynasties in NFL history, one of the most dominant defenses, at least, in NFL history, to 
what now feels like a total rebuild uh, because they've also released Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner. How how are you feeling right now? (laughs) Are you okay? Um, I mean, in this moment, I feel pretty good because I've I've thrown a few back now. Um, So I'm feeling a little little loosey. But uh, today was a today was a dark day in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, don't know, don't know how to feel about it. Honestly, I was, I mean, you guys heard, if you guys listened to our, our episodes in the, in the past, I was very adamant that I did not think Russell Wilson was going anywhere this off season. It didn't make sense to me. Um, it's happened now. It still doesn't make sense to me. Um, I understand like the Holly got back and then the releasing of Bobby Wagner this evening, like only puts it into, you know, more strongly that like. This is a full-blown rebuild. I don't know what their plan is with the quarterback position. Um, I don't know why Pete Carroll, you know, specifically. It seems like they're going to full, full-blown full rebuild. I don't see Pete Carroll wanting to do that. So I think there's more moves to come um, when it comes to the quarterback position. Maybe they bring in someone, you know, a, a veteran to, to maybe, I don't know, a bridge. I don't know. Or they could go for a rookie quarterback with that number nine overall pick they just acquired. Who knows? When it comes to fancy wise, um, it is all dependent on who they bring in as the quarterback. We all know it's not Drew Locke, it's not Geno Smith. There's somebody else coming in. Who that is is TBD. Um, and it's gonna make a big difference. I mean, you're talking about major fans players that are up in the air right now. You have DK and Tyler Lockett, and now Noah Fant, who I know Noah Fant hasn't been great, but like he's we've all seen the potential in him. So who knows what happens that way, but until we know who's going to be the starting quarterback, this is this offense as a whole, except for maybe out of you know Chris Carson and Rashard Peterson if he comes back in terms of like being like good fancy players, those are probably the only two guys you might be able to bank on a little bit at the moment. You said Rashad Peterson. You mean Rashad, Rashad Penny? I mean, he was coached by Adrian Peterson this last year. He you know, he took a lot of pride in that, so I think he's just adopting the name. <laughs> I just want to double check that. I just want to say you should just uh accept the fact that your team's going down into the depths of rebuilding. Welcome to the world. I'm a Raiders fan. I've been living in it. How um, do you feel about that division now with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson now with Denver, and Derek Carr with the Raiders? I don't think it makes a difference, really. Raiders are still like a ten win team. At most, it's really not going to make that much of a difference, I don't think, right now. I haven't really had that much time to think about it. I'm still in fantasy mode thinking about it. And I think it'll be really interesting this year with Russell Wilson going to the Broncos because it's like a prove-it year for Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy. Because now they, uh, Jerry Judy doesn't have Noah Fant in the mix, and now he has a a quarterback that is well-respected, so he should produce. And Russell Wilson has a new start and a great young core. So it's basically a prove a year for both of them. And it should be good fantasy years for them. It'll be interesting to see how high they're ranked in like uh, preseason ADPs. And also, that's a really good question. So um, we know in the backfield, Javante Williams is, is a stud. But there's a lot of talk about Melvin Gordon and the Broncos wanting to reunite and you know still have a committee back there which sucks for all fantasy owners of Javante Williams. Now, the bigger question is, who do you think is going to be the number one receiver in this offense? 
with Russell going down to Denver, because like we know you have you have Judy and you have Cortland. Seems like the the clear kind of you know who's gonna be number one there. But you you know throw in Tim Patrick, who's well is gonna eat some himself. Good receiver, and you also have, also have to consider KJ Hamler coming back off of the ACL tear, who was a very strong breakout candidate going into the season. And like so now you're talking about four very talented receivers, all highly drafted with you know in that matter. Who's gonna be the number one guy? Can we even determine that right now? Can we even determine it coming out of training camp? You know, like this is a hard question to answer. I'll just say right now it's gonna be Jerry Judy. Whether it's a huge difference, who knows? Jerry Judy will be the number one receiver on this team next year. Hands down. That's what I think. Corlin Sutton. It should be, right? Like it should be. Corlin <laughs> should be. Corlin Sutton's gonna make it a competition, but it should be Jerry Judy. He's the more all around package. And he's got that year under his belt, so we'll see what's happening. Yeah, like the capital and and you know the hype is totally behind Jerry Judy, but Cortland Sutton is a really good wide receiver, really good football player, and so is Tim Patrick. Honestly, like they're both really good. So I'm wondering well, what, what how much on the Seahawks, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, DK Metcalf. Everyone would say is a better receiver. Tyler Lockett still gets better stats. Again, I think that comes down to who ends up throwing the ball to him. Um, I think that's gonna be a big difference. Now, in terms of just natural ability, I would say DK is your more likely bet to be the number one receiver there and produce more. Tyler Lockett, who's a very good receiver, like he catches everything, but him and Russell had a connection that was, you know, about unrivaled in the NFL. Outside of a couple other guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Fonte Adams being one of them. You can throw a couple others in there. But, like, their connection was outstanding, and it made a difference in what Tyler Lockett's production was. So when you throw in a new guy just based off of raw skill and athleticism, I would think DK is going to be your number one guy next year. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. I was just saying when Russell was there, Tyler Lockett still was, like, more productive. So I just feel like he's just going to go with the more all-around guy instead of the more – Oh, the guy who's more talented in certain aspects, I guess you would say. That's why you're saying that Judy's number one guy next year. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see either way. Um, we'll definitely be talking about this more throughout the offseason. Obviously, this, this news just broke today. And so it's all very fresh on our minds. Um, may, you know, Massive, massive news and alters the outlook of fantasy and you know real football uh going forward but so we'll be breaking this down more throughout the off season but right now it seems like obviously Cortland and Jerry Judy's um stock has risen and Tim Patrick and DK and Tyler Lockett their stock has fallen dramatically um so that impacts dynasty right now obviously um so you know if you're if you're thinking about some trades in dynasty hit us up at the ff fathers get our opinion before you accept so that we can you know help you through those decisions moving on though um to other news in the nfl uh news from monday really calvin ridley is being suspended for at right 
right now the entire 2022 season for gambling on games during the 2021 season uh, while he was away for mental health. Apparently Ridley only gambled $1,500 um, and doesn't have a problem, but <laughs> at the same time, it is a problem because now he's suspended for an entire year. How you guys feeling about you know Calvin Ridley and and this whole situation? I guess dynasty is kind of where the biggest impact is right now. But I think even in redraft leagues, because he was supposed to be coming back this year, and this is someone who technically had a year off after having a good couple of young years, and he made the decision easy for me this year about what I'm going to do about Calvin Ridley, because now I can't do a shit about him. So, I mean. Before this happened, I'm just thinking, like, man, should I take a chance on Calvin Ridley this year? Draft him, like, maybe a little bit higher than most people would just because of the talent that's there. And now that he's gone, fantasy-wise, me being selfish, it helps me out because I don't have to make the decision anymore because I can't make the decision. Yeah, this situation is still pretty fluid. Um, I immediately, When I first heard this story, I immediately went to uh, Major League Baseball with Pete Rose, right? Um, I think I feel like a lot of people probably did. And the fact that he got banned from baseball basically for life and he's still out of the Hall of Fame, even though he's one of the greatest hitters of all time there. And I understand, I know like there's so many fans that are calling the league a hypocrite for, you know, saying you can't bet on a game, uh, even though the NFL is full in on, on, on sports betting at this point. But like it's known as a player, you can't or coach, or anything affiliate, if you're affiliated with the NFL at all, you can't bet on games. You know this. Like, this is very blunt. It's it's very up in your face. Like, the, the, every locker room says, don't bet on games. And I'm sure there's other players out there betting on games, but, like, this is a major deal. And seeing that he's the first one being caught doing it, the NFL is going to be making an example out of him. And I know they, they, he's suspended for at least 2022. I think it'll go longer, especially because that final tweet where he says, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year LOL. Like, he's laughing that, he like, I know some people are taking it like, I can't, like, he's laughing that he's like, I can't believe I got a year. But I'm kind of seeing it more like he's laughing that they only gave him a year. I wouldn't be surprised if this extends longer than one season. This is a major thing. And I know the NFL is on the wrong side of a lot of things when it comes to domestic violence suspensions and things of that nature. But when it comes to betting on games, and you have the ability to possibly change the outcome of said games, you're talking about the integrity of a game at that point, not something doing something dumb on the, off the field. So I could believe that he could be out for longer than this year, and even if they suspend him for just this year, maybe two, is another team in the league going to take a chance on him at that point? His career could poss- possibly be over. Yeah, I mean, this is where... It becomes a bigger issue for the scope of the NFL. You know, as far as their scope goes, like it becomes a bigger issue for the NFL rather than like someone obviously committing a, a brutal, you know, crime off the field. That's a big deal legally, right? Like, but for the NFL, like this impact the integrity of the of the game. And and I think that's kind of what you're getting at big Irby, and and why he's gotten an entire year it is crazy and it doesn't really make sense but at the same time it does because 
like the like Ray Rice or you know some of these guys that have made some brutal brutal crimes in off the field that has no impact on the actual games of the NFL right um so they have no standing in that jurisdiction so to speak uh but the gambling on your own team yeah they're going to they're going to drop the hammer I know you had something to say. You side at me, man. I know you have something to say. Oh, yeah. I was going to say something, but it's way too late now. All those references are long gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Calvin Ridley's out for the year. Um, so, <laughs> if you're a Ridley manager in Dynasty um, at this point, <laughs> you know, I guess sell them for what you can, but. You know, if the, if the price gets too low, you got to just hold and, and see what happens. But because this is kind of kind of untouched territory, you know, in this realm. I would say if someone is willing to give you a trade for Calvin Ridley, take whatever they give you. Because I think ultimately most people are just going to have to straight drop him. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Um, you know, in those dynasty leagues. If you can get some picks out of him, a player maybe. Yeah, I I wouldn't be looking for too much, so I'm right there with you. All right, let's get into the um <laughs> the girth of this episode, which is uh tight end focused. We're going to look at the top 12 tight end finishes from this year and talk about their outlook for next year. So, um uh, if you're looking for other positions, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, we've already done those. So good look at previous episodes. Um, you'll be able to find those. But uh, for the rest of this episode, we're going to be getting into the tight ends, which is a love-hate relationship. Because <laughs> if you have one of the top tight ends, great. If you don't, it's a, it's a struggle every single week as far as who you're going to start, who you should pick up, drop, trade, whatever. Um, the, t- the tight end position remains to be this <laughs> basically a, a constant struggle, I think, for fantasy players in general. Um, last year, it was kind of the, the flashy thing to reach for a, one of the top tight ends early in the draft. Um, I'm talking first, second round, third round. You're going and taking one of the top tight ends. Um, that was pretty common last year, and, you know, it paid off, I guess. Um, if you were like a Travis Kelsey, you know, if you if you drafted Travis Kelsey, Kittle even, you know, I mean, he finished fourth overall, but he he still, you know, was out for a, a good amount of time. But uh, anyways, we'll go through this top 12 um, list and talk about their outlooks for next year. Uh, we'll go through some consistency rankings. Um, just so you know, uh, the way we break these down, if they were elite, we, we measure their elite finishes and their number one tight end finishes. If they finished with, finished with a score greater than or equal to 
It was an elite finish. If they finished with a score greater than or equal to 6.39 points, it was a number one tight end finish. Anything less than that was a subpar finish. And honestly, those scores alone tell you how like volatile the tight end position is. Right. And it's by far the lowest of any other position group. Like, not even close. So, like, tight ends, as you said, like, it's just other if you don't get the one in the top basically three guys you are struggling week in and week out to find the right starter yeah i mean you you pray for 10 points and go from there <laughs> from the tight end position uh starting at the top of the list though mark andrews finished as the number one overall tight end this year for the baltimore ravens he finished second in consistency he was elite 41% of the time, he was a number one tight end 70% of the time. That's what I said, right? What'd I say? You said 41. Oh. He was elite 47% of the time. He finished as a number one tight end 70% of the time. How do we feel about Mark Andrews next year, though? Like, is a number one finish within the realm of possibility. Yeah, it definitely is. It's been in the realm for the last two years, and he realized it this year. I'm a little weary about it. Like, I obviously have a lot of faith in it, but some of his biggest games came when Tyler Huntley was playing, and Tyler Huntley's like borderline obsessed with Mark Andrews. Every time they played, it, I, I'm not even joking, double-digit targets every time Tyler Huntley was starting. Tyler's looking up to be- like, see what was going on. I almost guarantee you. Tyler Huntley has an affection for Mark Andrews. So I think that like inflated his stats just a little bit from that little two, three game stretch. Either way, bottom line, he's my number one tied with Travis Kelsey. And he would be it sucks to say he'd be one B. How how uh how early would you be willing to draft Mark Andrews in a redraft league? I got him in the fifth last year, and I think that's where he deserves to be. But he'll go like in the third, probably. So would you be taking him in the third? No, I wouldn't want to. That's not how I'm building my teams next year. Honestly, actually, if you have him in the fifth, I know because you've had Mark Andrews a couple times in the last few years, um, and like it's worked out. I think for the most part for you, you gave him the fifth last year. Like that's a steal because like he was he put up numbers, um, and honestly, I think as we know. It's probably going to be a toss-up between Andrews, Kelsey, and Kilt for who's going to be the number one guy next year. The one thing with Andrews is that, like, his numbers this year are substantially better than what he put up the last few years. He had 154 targets versus 88 last year, 107 catches versus uh, 58. So, I mean, I know he missed some games the last few years, but, like, that's still... He's being targeted at a way higher share than he was in the last couple of years. So, and that's not just Tyler Huntley. I don't. I don't think. I know like Tyler Huntley like heavily targeted, but I mean Huntley played what started three games. So that's not a. I don't think it's enough games to think that like it was solely because of Tyler Huntley. Like Lamar Jackson also looked at him the entire way. Also. Yeah, for sure. I mean, without a doubt. He has the capability of finishing at number one uh, next year. Definitely 
top three well within his realm of possibilities, uh, especially if they don't add any more receiving depth to that to that core. It's likely to be Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, and Bateman, <laughs> and our boy Bateman uh, next year. So. Yeah, I love Mark Andrews next year. Same thing. You know, I think he'll finish in the top three. Uh, moving on to the next tight end on the list, Travis Kelsey finished number two overall, but he did finish first in consistency. Uh, he was elite 44% of the time. Uh, he gave you number one tight end finishes 75% of the time. So how are we feeling about Travis Kelsey next year another year older um we definitely saw some hiccups in the offense this year is that something that we see continue into next year and do you think Travis Kelsey is still worth the price tag that he had in 2021 yes he is and i was someone who like halfway through the season i was over Travis Kelsey i was like okay this is the decline I was proven very wrong. His consistency rankings are why he's my 1A over Mark Andrews being like 1B to me because that's someone who's going to get you consistent points throughout the season, which helps you get wins, get you in the playoffs, right? Simple math, and he just continues to do it week in and week out. He only had like three bad weeks. And for a tight end, that's great. And all all the other weeks, he was like top five. So it's he's definitely 1A. Nothing changed for me. Besides me being completely fucking wrong the last eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let I mean, let's just reiterate how great Travis Kelsey has been. Since 2016, he's finished first, 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 and second. That's what he's finished in the last five years as a tight end. He's going to be just fine. Andy Reid is still his coach. Andy Reid is still the, he's not, not maybe calling, calling plays, but it's still his offense. And Patrick Mahomes is still throwing the damn ball. Travis Kelsey will be a top one or tight or two tight end next year. God forbid he falls number three. You're still gonna be pretty happy where you drafted him at. Yeah, I think that's pretty. That's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> um, until we see a major fall off, I think you have to continue with the Travis Kelsey um, being elite, you know, storyline and draft him as such. Uh, finishing number three overall, Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys finished eighth in consistency. He was elite twenty nine percent of the time. Gave you number one tight end finishes forty seven percent of the time. Um, so hey, less less than fifty percent of the time he was the number one tight end. I think that you know has to be taken into account. Um, eighth in consistency again. But he was just franchise tagged by the Dallas Cowboys, and it is likely that they are moving on from Amari Cooper. So that frees up some targets in that offense. Um, but can Dalton Schultz finish in the top three again next year? At this point, I don't, I don't know if top three even matters. To me, it's really just a top two in tight ends. Like Once we get into this next tier of guys that we're talking about from 2 to 12, it's such a crapshoot. They're all within the same point range between like 160 and 120. Um, you know, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey both finished 200-plus points, and now we're talking about guys who are literally almost half the point total of Mark Andrews in third place. 
So it's it's such a crazy drop off. Obviously, we had injuries to George Kittle and Darren Waller, so like the top points don't really look how they should. But I think he's totally capable of finishing in the top, you know, um, five again. If it's uh, to me, the reason I really like Dalton Schultz next year is like I feel like you can draft him behind, obviously Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, like Kyle Pitts. You know, he'll probably be in the same range as Dawson Knox, you know, within that. And so you're you're drafting a guy as the tight end six, seven, eight overall that could potentially finish in the top three. But as Trey has mentioned, I mean, you're talking about from Mark Andrews at number one to Dalton Schultz at number three and 80 point difference, 80 points. That's massive. Yeah. Like. That's crazy. So, like, you're just as likely to draft Dalton Schultz, or Dalton Schultz, I'm sorry, is just as likely to finish as tight end number eight or nine next year as he is number three because after the top two guys, it is a complete toss-up, as Trey said. So, like, after the top two guys who are probably both going to go in the top, you know, two rounds, more than likely, I don't think I'm drafting a tight end before, like, round six at the very earliest because... I, you're just likely to get Dawson Knox super late or maybe even Kyle Pitts in like round six versus Dalton Schultz and, you know, right after him. And they could, it's just a toss up. I mean, here's, put it in this, in this perspective. Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews were the only two tight ends have a, a below 40% subpar game. That's it. That includes your other elite guys like Kittle or Gronk. Or anything like that. They were the only ones that blow blow forty percent. That's almost half your games of like subpar play. Why are you gonna expend a high draft pick on somebody who may give you a good game instead of guaranteeing you a good game? And like, you know, Kelsey and Andrews, you're like, damn, like you're almost guaranteed ten points from them unless except for one or two games a year where everyone else is like fifty fifty shot. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, and moving on to the next guy, because I th- I feel like you know George Kittle, who finished at who finished fourth overall, finished fourth in consistency. He was elite twenty eight and a half percent of the time, giving number one finishes fifty seven percent of the time. Obviously, we you know Garoppolo's is out of San Francisco, most likely, um, but. He has the type of talent that, you know, I feel like he could finish in that plus 200 fantasy point overall range, you know, where where the Kelseys and the Andrews finish this year. Is he a guy that you would take a shot on next year with the second-year quarterback coming in likely as the starter? I feel like he's, like, one of the biggest question marks, honestly, on this list, right? He has the talent, but there's quarterback question marks. But can he he finish within that realm of elite in that top two range? If I'm going to be completely honest, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but like, honestly, until I get more word, kind of come out of training camp, I mean, with us, with our draft, we always draft the last weekend before See, uh, week one, right? We always do that. So, like, why well, you have the most recent injury history and, you know, whatever reports coming out of camp. That was as the most up to date information we possibly can um, at that point. 
with Kittle, it's going to be all about the way Trey Lance uh, matures and into this offense. Now, I understand, like, usually a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend, but that's not always the case. We've seen a lot of young quarterbacks, um, Hall of Famers, like, and we mentioned two of them today, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Neither one of them ever really utilized the tight end. Um, I know that Rodgers had a couple decent years of time with uh, Jermichael Finley before the neck injury, and, you know, we thought he might be upcoming. Um, this With Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, they had Jimmy Graham for a couple years, but even then he was more of a red zone threat rather than a, you know, in-between-the-20s type of guy. And I just don't necessarily think that Trey Lance is going to uh, for sure going to take George Kittle as like his check down guy and the guy he's going to always rely on, especially in this Kyle Shannon offense who just schemes open people. That's, there's a reason why Debo, Debo Samuel had plays all over the field. It's because he schemes them open. So I just, I don't know. Could he finish top three? Absolutely. He's, he has a talent. I'm just not banking on it. You know, um, if I can get Kittle in like round five, six, seven, hell yeah, I'm all over it. But you're going to see people take Kittle in round three or four, and I'm just not with that. Yeah, I think that's a good benchmark, you know. Um, if you can get him after round four, then you're 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 getting a guy that can finish within the top two, potentially talent-based. But there's a lot of question marks that have to be figured out as far as Offensive scheme, um, quarterback capabilities. Um, when you know you're talking about Kelsey, who has is attached to, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, and uh, Mark Andrews, who's you know ingrained into that offense as you know a, t- a top target within the offense. So, and so is Kittle, but. The question mark is, can they get him the ball enough to produce um, enough for for that high round draft pick in fantasy to pay off? So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's a question mark, but if you can if you can snag you know Kittle a little bit later than what we've seen in the past couple few years, you know if you can snag him in the fifth round, yeah, you're getting you're getting good value. Uh, moving on to number five. I want to know what Trey thinks on on Kittle. I mean, obviously, you're 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 obviously our like main tight end guy, and we're getting to the point already. Even after the you know the first couple guys, who they're kind of toss ups. So I want to know what you think about Kittle, who is clearly a high end talent, but we don't know what may happen next year. I think he's still top five with Trey Lance at quarterback, but with his injury history, it just throws me off. He's very boomer bust when he is healthy. Um, but when he does boom, he booms hard. So it's it's a matter of what like what kind of like team you're trying to put together. I I do like him with Trey Lance. I don't think it's really gonna take a much of a hit on his production. You're gonna see the same like boomer bust type of thing, especially within that offense, like you were saying. Uh, moving on to number five here. We're not even sure if he's gonna play again next year. He'll be a free agent. It's all up in the air because Tom Brady's gone, but Rom. Rob Gronkowski finished number five overall. He finished third in consistency. Uh, he was elite 50% of the time, gave you number one tight end finishes 57% of the time. Rob Gronkowski, ladies and gentlemen. Do we have to spend too much time on him? I mean, 
He's the go. That's what it is. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if he does come back for whatever reason and someone convinces him to, and it would really take a lot of like really propaganda-type stuff in the offseason for me to buy into like him really going in for a quarterback that isn't Tom Brady and a team to win another Super Bowl. But there is a small chance if I see enough things in the offseason and he does come back, I'd take a risk on him for sure. Late-round flyer. I guess we're on it. So there's a lot of rumor about him going back, going to Buffalo, right? He's from Buffalo, born and raised there. His whole family's there. He grew up a Bills fan. What do you guys put? What do you guys put into that? I understand. Oh, that no, they, don't kill Dawson Knox. <laughs> I know. Please. Have, see, that's the thing. Like you have Dawson Knox there, and the Bills have no need to bring him. But like, if he's like, hey, I want to play one more year for my hometown team, and you know, I go, you know, I'll buy, I go out and spike a few footballs, you know, score a couple touchdowns, and that's all that matters. Like, that takes away from Dawson Knox. Is that enough to be like, even if it's, you know, 20 catches, a couple hundred yards, and like four touchdowns? That's a lot away from Dawson Knox in that factor. So would you guys, like, take that into consideration if that were to happen in terms of drafting Dawson Knox? Well, obviously that would impact Dawson Knox, right, and his overall finish. Um, But for me, I, I still feel like I would be willing to draft Dawson Knox in later rounds just because of the fact that, you know, Rob Gronkowski is getting older and not able to always, you know, stay on the field consistently. I I wouldn't bake on injury. I never do. But at the same time, I would still think that Dawson Knox has a chance to be, be the guy at the tight end position within that offense. And they, you know, they proved it last year um, when he was available. Yeah. And you have to say, I mean, everyone who says Gronk isn't the greatest height of all time, like, there's a couple guys you can throw in there. But man, like, Gronk missed five games and still finished the tight end five last year. It's insane. Yep. Um, honestly, I think the only guy you can really argue is Tony Gonzalez overall only because like he had longevity but in terms of like peak production over an extended period of time I think Gronk wins it all the way yeah he kind of changed the NFL in a way you know as far as what he brought to the field and in his production and you know defenses having to game plan against him which you know was the same for Tony Gonzalez but in a different sense like the different Gronk was just dominant you know what I mean? Like in a different, in a different, like, way than Tony Gonzalez. I know we're kind of sidebarring here a little bit, but like, throw Tony Gonzalez and he starts career ten years later than he did is a whole different conversation. Oh, but for like, sure, yeah. Era wise, it's just it is what it is. Uh, finishing sixth overall, Zach Ertz. Tied for fifth. Tied for fifth. Tied for fifth. Zach Ertz, uh, but he did finish 14th in consistency. He was elite only 17.65% of the time. He gave you number one tight end finishes 35.29% of the time. Obviously, he transitioned from the Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals throughout the season, and with the Arizona Cardinals, he found a nice little pocket in the offense. Can I just say this? Say so it. we're we're not even transitioning sexes, we're transitioning birds now. 
yeah. He transitioned. He was an eagle. Now he's a cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm an owl. Wait, what is it? but now, the question, where are we transitioning to now? He's a free agent. Yeah, so he's a free agent this year. Where does he go? Well, does he stay with, bird. Does he stay, yeah, does he stay a cardinal? Or does he transition to another species? And what is our outlook for Zach Ertz next year? I have no idea what Zach Ertz is going to do, but he showed he has uh, a lot left in the tank, and when he is used, he's definitely very, very productive. So it'll be interesting to see like where he does go. Off the top of the head, I can't really think of places that are tight end needy that use their tight ends a lot because as we've been talking about, I mean, there's only four guys that are heavily game planned in their offense when they're healthy. He's an interesting subject. Cause like, I'm not entirely sure why he fell out of favor in Philly. I know he had some injury issues, but like not a ton, but they kind of just seemed to write him out. I'm not sure if like he was a bad locker room guy or what happened. Because like he clearly oh, go there, but okay, there's that. But like, I mean, and so maybe make him that they didn't want to pay Zach Ertz and they had to go there, and so they went that way. But like, he was on the team for like two years and basically did nothing, and they barely put him on the field. He clearly was productive. Like, don't you think that the Eagles could have gone like two tight end sets, like eleven personnel, um, a ton, and like been really dominant with two good tight ends? And they didn't do it. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, Zach Ertz is clearly still a very productive tight end. I'd be very interested to see him. He's a little later in his career, and he could he could either go and – I think he made some money this year, so he could either go off and sign a multi-year contract, make some good money over the next few years, or he could chase that ring. And I could see him making a change just within the division. I know the Rams don't have great cap space, but do you only think that Zachers might take a – a, a major a major pay cut to go play with the Rams and Matthew Stafford in that offense and be a, probably a massive upgrade over. Unfortunately, I called my boy Tyler Higby. <laughs> like you know, I I did that. I thought he was going to go off. He didn't, and Zach Ertz could go into into L.A. and he could be my boy next year. Yeah, I like that connection. Uh, you know, I think he can be productive uh, wherever he falls, and there's a ton of question marks, obviously. <laughs> Arizona right now with their quarterback if you know they figure things out with Kyler and he and he comes back and they re-sign Zach Ertz I like Zach Ertz next year as a, a sleeper tight end you know someone you can pick up really late um in the draft uh, redraft leagues and you know he has a potential to finish top eight next year again um as long as he has the opportunity because we saw the production when given the chance this year, um, especially in an offense like Arizona where they utilize the tight ends. So uh, we'll have to see where he falls, where he ends up signing. Um, but, you know, Zach Ertz is one of those guys you want to keep on your radar as a kind of a sleeper option going into next year at this point. Uh, finishing seventh overall, Kyle Pitts, the tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, finished 16th in consistency. He was elite only 11.76% of the time. 
He gave you number one tight end finishes 36.29% of the time. How do we feel about the rookie tight end sensation coming into 2021? Was supposed to take over the position and kind of rewrite the books for fantasy at the tight end position. Yet, you know, he still finished in the top seven. So it's not like he put up a complete dud. But the the touchdowns were pretty much non-existent for Kyle Pitts. Is that going to change next year? Kyle Pitts is on a trash offense. And now that I've had a year to kind of soak it in because I was really harsh on him throughout the whole year, um, pretty much the whole like top four tight ends that we've been talking about with, with Kittle, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Darren Wallers, who I would throw in his fourth. But um, I'd say make room for five because it's pretty clear cut that this is he's going to be it's a it's undeniable for like the next six years. I think Kyle Pitts he finished in his rookie season the highest yards per average uh for reception fifteen point one. Um. He had the highest amount of 30-plus yard catches. It's he He's very impressive, and he was on a trash offense. And now that I've had like a year to soak in and being too harsh on his stats, for being on a really bad team in your rookie season, he did fucking fantastic. Not to mention next year, as of the, at the moment, he's the only guy, like basically people know on this offense. Let me, put, let me throw out there the other receivers that are under contract right now. Because you never heard of him. Calvin Ridley suspended. Russell Gage is a free agent, so he's on the team. You have Olimide Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, however we've talked about that all year. Yeah, we've heard of him. Yeah, we heard of him. Okay, let me go over the next five guys. Frank Darby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Frank. Uh, Chris, Christian Blake. Chad Hansen. Austin Trammell. And Brayden Linnaeus. These sound like guys they were made up on fucking Madden. Like, come on. Yeah, obviously, um, Kyle Pitts will be a necessity in this offense next year. They're obviously going to have to make some some moves with the news of Calvin Ridley being out for the entire year next year um, and figure out their wide receiver position. But for now, Kyle Pitts, he does feel like a safe bet you know, from vol from a volume standpoint alone, like obviously the talent is there, but from a volume standpoint alone, he should finish in the top five next year. You know, um, so Kyle Pitts, I like like his ADP might fall a little bit, actually, from twenty twenty one, because he was being reached on in a lot of leagues. <laughs> you know, just the hype coming out of college, but. This next year might be a year to really, uh, you know, target Kyle Pitts because he might fall a little bit in ADP just because of, you know, him not scoring touchdowns last year. And it obviously reduced his impact fantasy-wise. So I like Kyle Pitts targeting him. You know, I don't like to take him too high. You know, it's the tight end position, right? Like Trey was saying earlier in the in the show when you talk about tight ends, you know, after the first three or two even, there's a massive drop-off. And you're, you know, shooting the dice, essentially. So, But Kyle Pitts is one of those guys that you could pick up later and shoot up, you know, if he has a good year, gets in the end zone a little bit more. Could finish in the top three. 
Uh, Dawson Knox finished eighth overall. We talked about him a little bit earlier. The Buffalo Bills tight end finished sixth in in consistency. He was elite 33.33% of the time. He gave you number one tight end finishes 53.3% of the time. He was a diamond in the rough um, this year. You know, not a whole lot of hype going into the year, but um, obviously when healthy was a part of this offense and did pretty good things. How do we feel about Dawson Knox next year, though? Coming off the injury, do you think he's still an integral part of this offense? And is the top 10 within his capabilities next year? He's in the bottom half of the top 12 tight ends. And that's where he belongs. That's where he'll finish. It's that simple to me. We, we've already seen his ceiling. We know what he can do. Um, not very consistent usage in the offense as far as fantasy production. So in my eyes, as far as fancy tight ends go, this is someone I'm not really going after, someone I might get stuck with if I wait too long to draft. That's how I view Dawson Knox. I honestly couldn't agree more. He was extremely touchdown dependent. I know at the beginning of the year, he had that four-game stretch where he scored five touchdowns. And I know he also missed some games. But with that being said, he only had three games all of last year where he had more than 50 yards. That screams touchdown dependent, and he had a lot of them last year. That's not going to replicate again next year. Um, especially when I know Cole Beasley's probably not, not on the team next year. He's seeking a trade. You still have Emmanuel Sanders. You have the emergence of Gabriel Davis, and you still have Stephon Diggs there. So Dawson Knox is still very much touchdown dependent, which you don't mind being a back half, you know, a borderline starting tight end. He is not a guy that you want to draft early. And I know you're going to see some people take him in the top probably seven rounds. I would not do it. Okay, yeah, you know, I'm struggling a little bit internally because I saw some flashes out of Dawson Knox, you know, from a skill-based standpoint last year. I was like, wow, uh, you know, this guy can play, but but I get it, and there's a lot of question marks, and he he definitely feels like one of those guys that might be a bit of a reach in drafts next year just because of those flashes. Like, we're not the only ones that saw those, right? We're not the only one that understands that there's some capability there, but like you said, there's a lot of weapons in this offense, um, and things get might get a little bit sticky, and you might – end up reaching for a guy that you know is going to fall within this realm of every single dude that we're talking about in this bottom half like it's you know a matter of a few points the difference between them right like overall so you don't want to get stuck reaching for a guy that is going to finish right around the same spot that you know a bunch of other guys are finishing and giving up a a draft pick that could get you a guy at another position that could really make a difference uh, for your team. So I get what you guys are saying. So don't, you know, don't get too excited about the Dawson Knox hype. Stay within the realm of reality and realize that, hey, he's probably a bottom half, top 12 guy again next year. 
Uh, Hunter Henry finished ninth overall um, at the tight end position for the New England Patriots. Finished 10th in consistency. He was elite 18.75% of the time. Gave you tight end finishes. Uh, Gave you number one tight end finishes 50% of the time. Another guy that feels like he was pretty tight end or touchdown dependent. Young quarterback. How do we feel about this New England offense? Um and Hunter Henry going into next year? I'll take my Dawson Knox answer and repeat it. <laughs> but I'll put Hunter Henry above that. Really? Above, I, Nos- I like above it, Dawson I, Knox? I like him more than Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, I mean, like I said, he's going to be very a, a bottom-tier guy, kind of like you were saying. I, I'd take plenty of guys over him next year. Fryermuth, Hawkinson, like guys that are not even on this list because the injuries are just bad years. Mike Jasicki, I take him over Dawson Knox next year. I, I I just feel like we've already seen what we've seen. Same with Hunter Henry, but he he um is with a quarterback that's growing, so I think he has a little bit more uh room to grow as a tight end, if that makes sense. Josh Allen's probably closer to his ceiling than Mac Jones is. That's what I'm saying. Does it surprise either one of you guys that Hunter Henry finished the top ten? It surprises me. No, it's a hundred percent surprising. Because yes. like, I feel like we talked about Hunter Henry about like once the entire season. Like um, Trey was saying, there's guys like you know Darren Waller and stuff that aren't on this list. Yeah, you know, and that's fair. Him and da- so Hunter Henry and Dawson Knox both finished with nine touchdowns. That's not going to happen next year for either one of them. One Dawson Knox has a lot of other receivers, and I know in New England there's not a ton of receivers, but like. You do have you still have John New Smith and you still have this Patriots offense that is just known for spreading the ball around. There's never uh, outside like the go way back at the Randy Moss days. There's never been like a number one dominant guy there. You had kind of your lead guy in Wes Welker or Julian Edelman, but they weren't number one guys that like really dominated the offense. And even in terms of production, they were just like kind of your go to guys late in the game. Um, so with that being said, like. I don't foresee Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry feels like the one guy in this list that we've gone over so far that has like a really good shot of not being top 12 next year. Yeah. I could see John o. Smith being head and shoulders above him better next year. Yeah. It's just one of those weird things. Especially, to, you guys heard the rumors that Bill Belichick is going to call the plays next year on offense? Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird rumor. Like, I know he's always been involved in the offense, but he's never taken play calling duties there. It'd be a very weird thing if he does, especially because he's such a defensive-minded coach. Who knows what happens there? And if he does call plays, God knows what happens to this goddamn offense. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, so Hunter Henry, the outlook isn't great next year. It feels really touchdown-dependent. feels like he could finish outside of the top 12 pretty easily next year. Uh, number 10 overall, Dallas Go there for the Philadelphia Eagles. If we want to go there, we'll go there. He was seventh in consistency. He was elite 20% of the time. He gave you number one tight end finishes 53.33% of the time. Zach Ertz finally left the Eagles, and that was supposed to open up the floodgates for Dallas, and it didn't really happen. Everything was kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> after Zach Ertz left. 
um, which was disappointing for sure because uh, there was a lot of hype. You know, Dallas, there's question marks at quarterback, right? You know, Jalen Hurts obviously is probably going to be their guy again next year. But from, you know, a real football standpoint, there was a lot of question marks there. You know, Dallas feels like one of those guys that, again, could likely finish outside of the top 12 again next year. Are you guys with me on that or against me? Yeah, I feel like we're going to say the same thing about like the next six guys that are on this list. We're not going that far down. But that's kind of how it feels. It's, I feel like at this point we should almost just say like who we think could break into the top 12 that's left on this list, or at least just remain in the top sure. 12, right? Because yeah. like Dallas Godair, like he'll probably remain in the same spot, somewhere around there. Like I feel the same way about him as like Hunter Henry. You're with a young quarterback, and they did utilize him quite a bit. I know you're saying the offense is changing in New England, so it's a different situation. But y- you see what his floor is, and it might get a little bit better, but it's not going to like escalate into something insane where he's up there with the, the Kelseys. Yeah, go ahead. Honestly, I think Godair is just likely to finish as like around number five. That is, he has to follow the top twelve. Um, it's one of those weird things. Now, I will say I am leaning towards Godair next year being close to the top five, uh, kind of landing in the five or six range, and that's solely because I I think Philly Philadelphia stays. That's a pretty big step. It is. I mean, it's. I mean, is it though? I mean, it's what, like. 15 points. That's true. Yeah. So I'll just say this real quick. Though. I mean, we're, we're literally, when we look at these rankings, we're talking about Waller not having a full season, Kittle not having a full season, even though he's in the top 12, Hawkinson being with a new coach who was calling the plays like the last half of the season. There's so many guys not on this list that could definitely be in the top 12. True. That's yeah. where I, honestly, actually, I too. actually looking closer to the actual overall scores. George Kittle finished with 162 points. Gronk Gronk finished with 143. So did so did Ertz. Dallas Godair finished with 137. He's literally five points behind the fifth guy. So of course he's more like finished the top five. <laughs> like they're just that close. So I think as we've said most of this episode, you have your top basically three guys, maybe four, but really honestly not even top three. It's really top two. It's Andrews and Ki- and Kelsey, and then even after that, there's a pretty steep drop off. And then you have, like, Kittle and Waller, and there's another steep drop-off after them. So, like, these from, what, 4 to 12, or even even go farther, like, to 15? These guys, it's a complete crapshoot. Yeah. It doesn't, like, it's crazy. They're all differentiated by, like, 20 points total over the course of the season. It doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah, and I totally agree with you. Uh you know, finishing next at 11 was Mike Gesicki. He finished 24th in consistency at the position. Uh, Noah Fant came in at number 12. He finished 22nd in consistency at the tight end position. And now Noah Fant is going to Seattle where they don't have a quarterback unless they unless they employ Drew Locke. Talk about Mike. I'm talking about Mike. <laughs> let, me, let me get his mic in. Well, I was going to say, the difference between these two players is Mike Jasicki was franchise tagged. Franchise tagged. Noah Fant was just traded by the team who drafted him in the yep. second round. 
So um, we have a young player whose team – oh, first round? I, oh, so we have a young player whose team gave up on him and a somewhat veteran player, a team with a new head coach, decided to bring him back on the franchise tag, give him $10 million as a tight end. Way more promising. And Mike Jasicki yeah. is one of the few tight ends. Let me look at it real quick. One, two, three. One of five tight ends this year with 100-plus targets. Very inconsistent, like you were saying, 24th inconsistency rankings. But when they are targeting him and going after him, which it seems like that's what Mike McDaniels, is that his name on the Dolphins? New head coach for the Dolphins, right? If they game plan for him, he's someone who's who can be productive and no, maybe I, break in the top five. But he has to get red zone production. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the physical ability of Mike Kosicki is wild. Like, he is a freak athlete. And you also have to consider, like, he's going to have the same quarterback he's had for the last couple of years. Tua's going to be back in Miami. Um, and as Trey said, Mike McDaniel's offense coming in from the college entry should probably help them uh, get easier targets for everyone in the offense. <clears throat> um, and with Noah Fant, Noah Fant's going into a situation we have no idea who's going to throw him the ball. It, if it's Drew Locke, cool. We've seen that for the last couple of years. No good. If it's Geno Smith, well, Geno Smith is terrible there's a reason why he's been a backup his entire career and when he's with the Jets the players hate him like someone literally broke his jaw so like you know there's that um like who knows who's giving Noah Fant the ball next year it could literally for all we know Pete Carroll fucking suits up and throws and plays quarterback like come on yeah the these guys are question marks at the end uh, you know I feel like you can feel safer with Mike Kosicki like you were saying Trey there's just more promise in the team backing him. Um, the pure athletic ability, we've seen it out of Mike. He has the ability to finish, you know, within that top six, five range. Noah Fant, Noah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, let's, let's, um, let's wrap this thing up, talking about a few tight ends maybe that aren't on this list that we think are likely to break you know, the top 12 uh, next year. So I'll start off, like, there's obvious candidates like TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller, right? But they were only not on the list because of injury. So I want to kind of remove them. You're almost a foregone conclusion they're going to be in the top 12 next year. So outside of them, guys that could crack the top 12, uh, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at. I don't know. The thing is, no, I, I, I just I don't have any faith in anyone cracking top twelve. I understand. I'm sure you're both gonna say Pat Firemuth, right? Who the hell is giving him the ball? Who is it? Mason Rudolph? God, I hope not. Cause like, come on. <laughs> it was Big Ben giving him the ball all year, and we'll say um, that's probably Mason Rudolph quality, but with a bigger brain because it wasn't Bastion with a fucking helmet. Oh. Oh. So hey, and I'm being completely serious. Okay, just better football. Football brains, but probably the same body and mechanics. So what I'm getting at is Pat Fryermuth almost led the league in well, the tight ends in the league in broken tackles. He had eight. The most was nine. One of the highest yards after contact. He, uh, out of 62 catchable passes, caught 60 of them. Only two drops in his rookie year. So I think he's bound to break in the top 12. Yeah. You know, Fryermuth was kind of my guy too. Um I just think like talent wise 
he's proven it, right? Um, the team loves him. They're backing him. The biggest question mark is quarterback, obviously. So we'll see how that all pans out and who's you know playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. I know the Steelers fans were hoping for a big, big free agency acquisition. Looks like that's probably not going to happen uh, with Rodgers and Wilson likely um, at their home destinations. Uh, but it is what it is, right? The tight end position is what it is. And if you don't take a stab at Mark Andrews or Kelsey next year, early in the rounds, take a shot on whoever you like the most in those deeper rounds. And don't get, you know, pressured by the tight end train that happens in every single draft. Uh, especially redraft leagues where one person drafts a tight end then everyone starts drafting tight ends. Make sure that the guy that you're picking has some real value behind it and you aren't giving up, um, you know, an important pick at another position that gives you real depth on your team. That's, you know, the number one thing we can tell you is, is don't reach for tight ends that aren't worthy of reaching for. Uh, just real quick, close this thing out. I just saw another thing which I think could affect you know the 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 ranking of someone like Noah Fant. So uh, this was tweeted recently by Evan Massey, who's kind of a a fringe insider who's kind of on the on the outskirts, but he's been used by ESPN, Yahoo, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, and Bleacher Report. So like he has some credentials behind him. As said, the Seahawks are actually even open to trading Tyler Lockett after. Trading Russell Wilson, so yeah, that I saw some stuff on that too. Yeah, so like, I mean, if, if that does happen, that who knows who again? Who knows who's throwing the ball? Noah fan, but that if Tyler Lockett's out of the offense, that actually probably only improves what Noah fan can do next year. Yeah, still doesn't really get my, you know, your juices flowing. My juices flowing, um, just because I think they're not going to be very good next year. Unfortunately, you know, um, that's kind of the case. Really tough division, no quarterback. They're obviously in in full rebuild mode, so I I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade another asset like a Tyler Lockett, and see what they can, see what they can get. But um, future is not looking bright for the Seattle Seahawks, and you know we're up here in the Pacific Northwest, so we feel that. A lot of our friends and family are feeling that right now. Um, it is what it is. Only, only can look to brighter future days, right? So, anyways, that'll do it for our tight end review and our NFL news recap of today. Um, we will be releasing some episodes in the near future on coaching changes, dynasty, rookies, all that good stuff as the NFL draft approaches. Some interesting numbers laid out there in the NFL Combine this year. Um, we know that the 2022 draft class interesting. isn't as fantastic. but uh, Well, I mean, except they're fast as hell. Yeah. There are like 20-plus players that all ran below 4-4. Like, are you <laughs> shitting me? This is insane, the speed coming out of this draft class. Yeah, it's pretty wild. 
it was like 12 the last two years and then this year there's 30 people yeah that ran sub four fours and it was like around a dozen years before yeah it's 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 pretty wild you know and hey look a 40 time doesn't exactly equal production on a on a nfl football field but it is exciting. I mean, ask John Ross. <laughs> yeah. There's been some guys that have put up some numbers on the 40 and, and haven't done much in the NFL. So, anyways, we'll be covering all those rookies and all that in future episodes. So, keep an eye out for that at the FF Fathers on Twitter. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow, give us a sub. We'd love you forever. And if you have any questions, hit us up at the FF Fathers on Twitter. We will be talking to you all later. Good night.